0: Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Uh, Much as we want life to go like this, I think we know that that doesn't happen for anybody, right? It doesn't happen for our favorite athletic heroes, or our favorite corporate heroes, or our musician. Life just doesn't go like this. I mean, wouldn't you agree with me that life is a series of hills and Valleys. valleys. That's right. Hills and valleys. And so the question becomes this. Here's the question. How do we keep God front and center no matter where we are in life. That, my friends, is the differentiating factor between those who can, who can glorify God in any season of life, whether they're on the hill or the valley, and it's just a tremendous witness to our friends and to our family that God is at the center of our lives, no matter the circumstances or the situations that we are facing. And uh, that's why I love that line from the last song that you just heard, on the mountains, on the mountains I will bow. And I will turn my heart toward you because you set me there. And in the valleys, God, I will lift up my eyes because you see me there. I am not alone. Amen? Amen. And isn't it just uh, phenomenal to have none other than our very own Adam London sing that song, right? Yeah. Is a tremendous gift to our body, and he was here on staff for five years, poured into our students as well as our adult congregation, and uh, somebody outside said, man, you don't even have to preach after that, and I said, I know. I said, <laughs> it's phenomenal, isn't it? And I said, that's why you get great, great individuals like that. It was funny, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I called Adam, I was uh, grocery shopping, and I called him up, and I said, um, <clears throat> he picked up the phone, and Adam has this silky voice on the phone. He's like, Hello? And so I said, why don't you ever call me anymore? (laughs) I said, do you even pray for me? I said, I used to be your pastor. And he started laughing and we had a great old time and it was just phenomenal that the dates could sync up. And so we're grateful for his ministry and that he's back with us this weekend. And I'm so excited to be back with you this weekend. Uh, If you're a guest, yeah, I missed you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I love you, and uh, I've been on vacation for the last past couple of weeks, so if you're a guest uh, this weekend, uh, you're stuck with me. If you've been uh, last couple weeks, our team. Didn't our team do a phenomenal job, though? <laughs> Michael and Nathan. And Pastor Jordan and DeRay last weekend, I'm so grateful as we uh, did that series, Best Chapter Ever. And if you missed that, I would just encourage you to go to YouTube, Facebook, online. Check out that series. We equipped you with some study tools so that you can dive deeper into God's word. Because how many of you know that God's word stands true forever? Amen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word stands true forever. So, so grateful for that. And on my break, uh, our family, uh, Laura and Ella and Grace and I, we went to Utah for a family vacation, had a wonderful time there. And then uh, a few days later, we had the opportunity, Laura and I, we took Ella to a volleyball camp at the University of Michigan. And uh, afterwards, uh, she accepted an offer to continue her academic and her uh, athletic career playing Big Ten volleyball in uh, Michigan, so, yeah. Thank you so much. You have no idea what a relief it is for all of us of the demetrician household to have that and... <laughs> It's been years in the making. And I also just want to publicly honor and thank her club coaches who are here today. Uh, Her club coaches invested, and without your care and investment in our daughter, she would never be where she is today. And a special thanks to her first volleyball coach ever, who's a part of our congregation. Uh, Jeff actually recruited her. Long before Michigan recruited my daughter, Jeff was on it. Yep. (laughs) He saw her, and uh, he leaned over to Laura and said, hey, does she play volleyball? And he said, oh, well, she's into basketball and tennis. And uh, he said, well, she should come play volleyball. And the rest, like they say, is history. So uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, uh. All right. And. I had the opportunity to play a little golf uh, last weekend, had a trip with a couple of my buds up to Escanaba and Marquette, and you would have been proud of your pastor. I gotta tell you, I I didn't lose it like Rory did in the open. I actually got stronger as the weekend went along, and I had a blast playing. And by the way, if you do play golf, make sure you join us. All of our guys are going to be on our annual golf outing uh, Saturday, August 20th. There will be food. We're going to be at Royal St. Pat's, 18-hole scramble, so get your squad together. Food, they serve a great lunch, and you're going to meet some some, uh, guys. So, ladies, sign up your men, all your boyfriends, and well, not all your boyfriends, one of your boyfriends, one of your bro- Man, we got to get you in a women's small group if you got boyfriends. Sorry. Sorry I haven't preached in six weeks. I apologize. All right. <laughs> Anyways, how many of you uh, are ready to hear God's word, jump into the Bible together? We're going to be uh, in 1 Kings, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. Go with me if you have a mobile device or a paper copy. We're going to be in 1 Kings uh, 17, and we're going to look, we're going to begin a series today on the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. Not to be mistaken with Elisha, who was his protege, but Elijah is who we're going to talk about for the next uh, three weeks. And Elijah is just a fantastic prophet, one of the, the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. And here's why. Because Elijah, he learned to keep God front and center no matter where he was in life. He had to learn this. Just like every faithful Christ follower I know, you learn how to keep God front and center at both the hills and the valleys. You don't have just a a mammy-pamby, weak kind of faith that it only can celebrate God when good things can happen, but can you celebrate God in those lonely and tough times knowing that God is faithful? Just as we sang earlier that his promises still stand from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, that our God is faithful, and this is exactly what what Elijah had to learn. Now, we're gonna look at verse one. This is where we meet Elijah for the very first time. And the way in which we identify and know Elijah is by where he is from. Just like my name is Adam Demetrici and I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. This is the only background and context that we know about Elijah. It says this in verse one. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, So this is how we know him at the beginning of chapter 17. Later on, we're going to learn something else about Elijah and how he's identified. But the first time we meet Elijah in the pages of scripture is uh, recognizing uh, his place of birth. And here's what he says to Ahab, King Ahab. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now let's just pause there for a second and let me give you some background, okay? During uh, Elijah's time, there there was uh, some angry governments and there was a famine and people were scattered. They were broken and they were lost and they were scattered all over the face of the earth. There were competing gods during his time. Sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? If we take a deeper dive into some of the historical background of what's taking place in 1 Kings 17, you'll notice that the book is called Kings. Why? Because the nation of Israel has now gone through a split, so to speak. Uh, the, The nation of Israel is comprised of 12 tribes and God's desire for his nation was that he would always serve as their king. However, they wanted to be like all the other surrounding nations. Be careful how much you love and fall in love with the culture of our day. When you want something that our culture has, check it with God because if it's not God's will and his direction for your life, you really don't want that. No matter what the world says and how good their life looks. And so... The nation of Israel has now split into uh, uh, the Northern Kingdom, 10 tribes, and the Southern Kingdom. And in the Northern Kingdom, there had been 19 consecutive evil kings over a 200 year span of time. Now I'm just gonna let that sink in for a moment. Not just 19 consecutive ineffective leaders, but 19 consecutive evil leaders. And the person that you just heard where, where Elijah said, hey, there's going to be a famine in your land. He declares this to the most evil king of those 19 kings. His name is Ahab. Ahab had a wife. Her name was Jezebel. So the cultural reference that she's a Jezebel, that comes from uh, the Old Testament. Jezebel was a wicked woman and Ahab was an evil king, the most evil of their time. In fact, here's what they would do. They, these kings would turn the hearts of, of the people of Israel to foreign gods, the gods of Baal and the Asherah. There, there would be temple prostitution. They would deem this as appropriate and a form of worship. So people would come to their, their, their synagogues, their, their temples, and they would have sexual intercourse with temple prostitutes, and they would say, that's worship. In fact, some of the Israelites would actually uh, sacrifice their children to these gods. They would kill their children as a form of worship. This was a terrible time, a very corrupt time. This was a terrible time in the story of the nation of Israel. And finally, God said, enough is enough. Interestingly, though, God didn't raise up an army to take a stand against King Ahab. Like God often does, God often raises up one person to take a stand against evil. And he said to this prophet, I want you to stand up and I want you to declare my word to this evil king. And I wonder if in our world today that God just wants to raise up one person to take a stand. Maybe one teenage girl to take a stand in her high school for sexual purity against all all of the promiscuity in our world today. Maybe it's, it's one, one individual, one teacher to take a stand for what is true and accurate when it comes to history. Maybe it's, it's one nurse to to empathize and to truly advocate for their patient. Maybe it's one young business leader to stand against corruption in their corporation and to stand for integrity. Maybe it's one coach. Maybe it's one parent to stand against the prevailing winds of culture and to say, we're gonna raise our kids based on the foundation of God's word and who Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just one person. And I wonder today, if you're that person, if you're that person, God is speaking to you. Now, here's what's so fascinating about Elijah. Elijah's made of something. What is Elijah made of? This, is, this question is going to serve as the title of my message today, except I want to personalize it. What are you made of? Like, what's inside of you, beyond all the externals, beyond your job, beyond your family, beyond who you, who you hang with, or your interests, or your hobbies, like at the root, at the foundation of who you are, what are you made of? For Elijah, it's actually in his name. Elijah's name means that the Lord is my God. If you look at the Hebrew, the way in which it's uh, uh, literally translated, the meaning is that the Lord is my God. Now, listen to how cool this is. When God calls Elijah to stand up against Ahab, his very name, the Lord, my God is Jehovah, and I'm going to stand against you. His very name speaks the testimony of God's power to King Ahab. So when I was studying this, I was all jacked up about it. And I thought, what does Adam mean? You you know what I mean, London? I mean, we share the same name. So I'm like, what does Adam mean? So I started Googling it and I was like, oh, it means dirt. Man. Oh, that's great. Thanks, mom. Appreciate that. Got a name like Elijah, but I'm just dirt. So... But you know, this week, it might be uh, pretty interesting for you to trace what the meaning of your name is. And if your name means dirt, take heart. Because when you become a child of God and you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are now seated in the heavenlies as a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. And God has given you all authority in heaven and on earth to be his child. So I'm okay with dirt. I'm okay. I'm okay with dirt. All right? (laughs) So that's Elijah's name. Now that's pretty powerful because Elijah is now hearing his name and he stands against King Ahab. He says, you know, Ahab, there's not going to be rain for several years. Now, just to put this in the context, what this would be like for us. Now, we've all experienced a global slowdown, right? But In the agrarian culture, this would have been a global shutdown. Like no rain means no crops. Unemployment would have been at 70, 80, 90%. For us today, it'd be like going to a gas station and there would be no gas. You you couldn't go to the bank and you couldn't get a, a loan for a house and you couldn't even get your money out. There would be no electricity. I mean, imagine no internet. What would our kids do? It'd be like life as we know it would be over. For the people of that time, though, they would have suffered from starvation. They would have lost uh, their grandparents. There would have been immense mourning, and there would just everything would have come to a screeching. Halt. So when he makes this prophetic judgment against Ahab and Jezebel, this is a bad moment. In fact, if you were watching a movie, it would be like, boom, 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 boom. The music would change, right? The music would change. You're like, oh man, like what's going to happen? Now, if it were me, I would be looking for like the fight scene. I would be looking for like, for like Elijah now to to go against Ahab. I would think it'd be like UFC one, right? This would be like the showdown. But instead, God does something so different. He takes Elijah and he puts him in a place of hiding. Everybody say hiding. Hiding. You would think that the showdown was going to be in front of Elijah, but actually, he's hidden away. And what Elijah needs to learn in this next moment is that his obedience is what matters most. Look with me at verse 2. It says this, uh, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in verse three, leave here, God says, turn eastward and hide. There's a word, hide in the Kirith ravine east of the Jordan. So what's God doing? God's taking Elijah from what is comfortable to what is uncomfortable, from what is known to what is unknown. He's taking Elijah from a place that he can depend on the natural resources that he's always depended on, and he wants to humble, and he wants to break Elijah down so that his total trust and obedience is found in God and God alone. See, before Elijah can do something powerful for God, God first has to do something in Elijah. Before God can use him publicly, God has to humble Elijah privately. It's in the ravine. What's a ravine? A ravine is cut off from the source. A ravine is a place of isolated pain, a place that is hidden. You can be in the public eye and yet you can be in a ravine. You're going to be in a place where, where you feel alone, a place where you're cut off from things. And what is God doing? God is placing you in a season of preparation. See, God knows that he can do some things through us that are described only in terms of his character and his nature. In terms of the impossible, But before he can do the impossible in and through us, he needs us to know that we can't do the impossible. That we don't have the strength and the resources and the ability, no matter how far along we evolve, no matter how much technology, no matter how smart we are, how many degrees we are, if God wants to accomplish his work in your life, then he needs to know that you know that he is the only one That can do the impossible. Because if he doesn't know that about your life, then you'll begin to consume credit for the things that he did and you'll turn your heart and your head away from his majesty. So he takes Elijah to Kirith Ravine. Uh, One of the spiritual giants of the 20th century and great American pastor A.W. Tozer said it this way, it's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he hurts him deeply. There, Elijah is in the ravine. There he is learning what it means to be totally dependent on God. It's a season of preparation. It's a season of being lonely. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I would call it a where are you God season. Like I just don't know where you are. What are you up to? But God asked me to come here this weekend and to share with you that God is faithful and when you are cut off from the source and in your ravine, God will not turn his back on you and he will provide for you because our God is faithful, amen? Just like he did for Elijah. Look at verse four. This is what God said to Elijah. You will drink from the brook And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Isn't that amazing? How God did the impossible. While there's this like year after year drought, no water, God takes in this ravine and he builds a brook in a valley. God can put a brook in your valley. God can bless you in your valley. Uh, And then God does a heavenly catering service. Did you notice? God says, I'm going to feed you with the ravens. So I wonder if if God did Chick-fil-A every day, even on Sundays. (laughs) Like, that's pretty incredible. How cool is that? God's going to deliver a brook in the valley, and then he's going to drop Chick-fil-A down from heaven. Man, our God is amazing. That's incredible. What is Elijah learning? Elijah is learning that he can trust God in the valley, in this season of preparation. It reminds me of a single mom who would be praying out to God on a daily basis for provision. She was recently divorced and so she was trying to make ends meet and she was ashamed of her situation and her friends kind of looked down on her, but yet she had a commitment and a faith and an endurance in God and she would pray. In her little apartment, she would pray, oh God, would you provide? Oh God, would you provide? I'm trusting in you, I'm looking to. you." Well, her walls were thin and her neighbor next door in the apartment just next to her was an atheist and he would come out and say, lady, listen, there is no God, there is no God. And she said, I know there's a God. God will provide for me. And she would continue to press in and pray and pray and pray. This happened day after day after day after day. Eventually, the neighbor got so sick of it that he ran to the grocery store, and he bought a couple bags of groceries, and he put them at her door. And then he knocked, he knocked, he knocked, he knocked. (laughs) and And he ran back into his apartment. And she comes out of her apartment, and she's like, Oh, God, thank you so much. You provided, you provided for my children. And of course, he comes out, he says, I told you there's no God. I bought those groceries just to let you know that God is not alive. And she said, oh, God, thank you so much. You provided for me, and you allowed the devil to pay the bill. (laughs) Friends, that might be a funny story, but here's the theological truth that I want you to catch. God is so much in control of our lives that the sovereignty of God can take your worst moments and bend them back to bring him glory. He can use people and situations and circumstances that you never thought possible. That's why Romans 8.28 is such a phenomenal verse. He's using all things for his good, for his purposes, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So he's in this moment, and he goes to the Kirth Ravine, and he stayed there. And then he gets to this place and he's eating and he's, he's happy. I mean, you could literally just stop the story right there. I mean, he was obedient. He was obedient. Look at verse five. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirth Ravine east of the Jordan and he stayed there. He stayed there. He was obedient. He was submissive. Verse six, and here's the promise of God. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Now, we could stop the story there and we could say, wow, he was obedient. We could say that, that he learned his lesson. He was obedient, he learned his lesson, he learned the truth. Here's the truth. If you're taking notes, uh, jot this down, take, take a picture. If you're watching online, catch this. Provision always follows obedience. Uh, Miracles follow obedience. Blessing follows obedience. Favor follows obedience. What's the key word in all of those uh, little scenarios? Obedience. It's obedience. We could stop the story right there and say, oh man, that's a great first week of this lesson. Thanks so much, Pastor Adam. But there's more. Because if you're a longtime follower of Jesus Christ, you know it's not just obedience to, to God's word when it makes sense. There's an obedience to God's word when it doesn't make sense. I call this crazy obedience. Like obedience is 101. This is like master's degree level. This is crazy obedience. Everybody say crazy obedience. Crazy, C- crazy obedience. This is crazy This is so crazy because here's what takes place. Look at verse seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now at this point, I'd be thinking to myself, what's up, God? Did I miss you? The brook was working. Now it's not. Did I sin? Is it me? Like, why are you moving me here? Like, I was dependent on those ravens for Chick-fil-A, and the water was great. Uh, Some of you right now, you're at a season of your life, and, and you had things that were secure for you, things that you could depend on. You had a friend group that you could depend on, and now that friend group blew up. You, you, you had a 401k and now you have a 201k, <laughs> right? You, you, you had a job that you could have some security and provision, something took place and all of a sudden you had your health and now you, you got a little, just a, it's not like a major, you didn't hear the C word, but you heard like a, mm, I don't know. You used to depend on something and it was a blessing from God, It's because you were obedient. It's because you were walking faithfully toward him. And it's been removed. It's been taken away. Sometimes, sometimes God will provide for you by the things that he doesn't supply to you. Sometimes it's the things that were that were there once before, but God wants to do a new thing to grow you in your faith. How many of you know that God will never leave you where you are? He's always trying to grow you. And sometimes he has to strip things away from you in order for you to have crazy obedience, crazy. I've only done crazy obedience a couple times in my life. Crazy obedience is when you are so out there, you're leaning and you're like, oh God, if this doesn't work out, everybody's gonna think I'm crazy. It's crazy obedience. Now, I don't have time to tell you this story, but you need to read on Uh, this week, whether it's in your small group, get in your circle or in your chair time, you need to read the rest of 1 Kings 17. He goes to a widow and because this drought has just wiped out all of of the, the, the known land of the time, he says to this widow, I need you to make me some food. And she's like, are you crazy? How many of you know when you take steps of crazy obedience, people think you're crazy? This widow thought he was crazy. And so Elijah said, hey, listen, trust me, if you go and prepare a a meal for me, God is gonna supply and fill your jar and keep you well-fed. And that's exactly what God did. And, And then God was growing Elijah because Elijah found out later on that this widow's son ended up dying. Now, socially, you gotta understand, this is huge in terms of her provision in terms of of her care as she grew older she lost her son she wasn't going to get remarried she was barren she only had one son this son was going to supply all the monetary needs so that she could die peacefully This is a culture that if you didn't have people to take care of you you were just left you would die and so in this dramatic scene Elijah goes upstairs and he prays over this, literally prays over this son and he's raised to life. This is the first time in scripture that we see somebody raised to life. It's by this prophet Elijah. Why? Because his 101 obedience grew to crazy obedience. And for the first time, he saw a miracle in his own life. Not only by the ravens feeding him and the brook being supplied, but now with this child, he knew that the power of God was real. And some of you today need to know that the power of God is real in your life. That's why when he was on the hill, he thought, wow, this is incredible. And listen to what the widow says to Elijah. Verse 24, the very last verse of chapter 17. Now I know you are, now I know you are, you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. In the very first verse, Elijah's only known by where he's from, but now he's known as a man of God. Why? because his obedience has forged a dependence and a humility. And next week, we're going to see the confidence and the power of God, not in just in front of a widow, but in the entire nation of Israel. And I just think today that there are some men of God in this room. I think today there are some women of God. I think today there are some students of God. I think today there are people and individuals, regardless of where you come from or what you've done, regardless if you've been incarcerated or you've been poor and destitute or whether you've been so stinking filthy rich and the world knows you by by how much you make, God knows you by what's in your heart. And I believe if you forge your character under the obedience of God, you will be known as a person of God and what comes from your mouth will be full of truth. I want to be known as a man of God. Not perfect, not, not not anything special, but only special because of the blood of Christ and the work of his spirit inside of me, transforming me. I have a long way to go, friends. I have a lot of things that. God is growing me and taking me to some moments of obedience and and listening to him and to other people who love me. But my desire, I want to be known as a person of God, man of God, that when I speak, there's truth that comes from my mouth. As we close today, some of you are in this place and And perhaps you're in a valley. You feel cut off from God. You're in a ravine. If we could bow our heads all across this place. If you're online, if you would just pause and would you just enter into this time of prayer? This is a moment for us to do some evaluation and reflection. For every one of you, this is not your reality. But for some of you, you're in a ravine and you feel cut off. You feel isolated and you wonder where God is. Maybe, just maybe, this is a season of preparation. Maybe you can use the loneliness and the suffering as a refining instrument of God preparing you for his work and his purpose in your life, with your family, with your friends in our world. Maybe he's gonna birth a ministry. He's gonna give you a dream of what you're gonna do next in the next season after you retire. Maybe he's going to speak to you as a college student and solidify. Maybe he's going to give you peace in the midst of the valley. I would invite our prayer partners. They're going to come at this time, trusted and vetted prayer partners who are going to be down here in the front. And if you're in a valley today, if you're in a valley today, I just want you to encourage you right now, just slip out. Let somebody pray for you. I just felt the leading of the Lord as I was prepping this message this week that this would be a time for you to receive some encouragement and some, some prayer. Don't, don't, don't be shy. There's no fear in this place. Let, let, let some of the potential social things and, and pressures and pace and things of that nature, if you need some prayer, how about you just slip out? You're in a valley and you need some encouragement. You need somebody to stand with you to pray with you. Here, here, This is a place of prayer. This is a place of prayer. You come and you receive some prayer. Be obedient in this moment. Get a touch from God. Maybe you're here and the first step of obedience that you need to take is to surrender your pride, your guilt, your shame, your sin. Maybe maybe you came here today and you know God In your head. You you have the basic concepts and you have the story down and you kind of get it. You do the Easter, the Christmas thing. You get the the large narrative of Christianity, but you have never experienced God. You don't know the person and the nature and the character. You've never come into you have religion, but you 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 miss this deep, abiding relationship filled with obedience and, and beauty and wonder. If that's you today and you need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, he's speaking to you and you just need to surrender your life to him. you're watching online, you need to surrender your life to him. God is speaking to you, know it, can sense it. Today, scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of favor. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand in this moment? wanna acknowledge you all across this place. Anybody today? Yes, thank you. I see your hand. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? If you're watching online today, you just go ahead. Say, I'm giving my life to you. Chat moderator's there. Now, would you, all of us as church family, someone's making a life-changing decision. Scripture says that they're entering from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. <laughs> Hell has lost another one today, friends. This one individual, they're making a decision for Jesus Christ. This is, a, this is a glorious moment. So can we be in full support with full voice and say this prayer out loud together? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for my brother here today, making a decision for you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. For saving me from my sin. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry. I was wrong. It was against you. So forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. And I place my faith in you. Now place your Holy Spirit inside of me so that I can follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with this first said, amen. amen. Hey, can we celebrate? That <laughs> individual, can we celebrate today? That's a good day, that's a good day. That's a good day.